Hey everybody, Jared here. Just a quick note, this is uh, going to be a three-part episode. This is part two. So, Annalisa, what do you want to be when you grow up? When I grow up, I want to be an actress on a soap opera. I want to be able to give long, scathing looks at people. With dramatic pauses. Are soap operas still a thing? Do they still do them? I Yeah, they're absolutely still soap operas. On like what? The other day I was in a waiting room at a doctor's office and I saw Days of Our Lives. Days of Our Lives is still a thing? I am pretty sure it was Days of Our Lives. At least I saw some actors and actresses I recognized. Wow. From days gone by. Yeah. But I, I, this all happened because we've been watching Twin Peaks. Yes. And yes. I love their little snippets of soap opera that we're seeing. What's on the name of that soap opera? I forget. Oh, something um, about love. An invitation to love. Yes. <laughs> yeah, an yeah, invitation to love. Yeah, an invitation to I'm love. I'm giving a long, scathing look right now at J- to Jared. I'm being scathed. And I'm dramatically pausing. And now I'm walking out of the room, but not really. So, Jared, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a warrior with a spear. Oh, whoa. A warrior with a spear. Yeah. So okay. we, we actually we actually talked about this today at work. Uh-huh. And we were talking about what would completely throw somebody off. Like if somebody came in and they were like incredibly angry or, or, or just behaving irrational erratic, um, or irrational or erratic, right? Uh-huh. And for those of you who don't know me, which is most of you probably, uh... <laughs> I run an auto parts store. So if somebody comes in there irate, like mm-hmm. what would be the most off-putting thing? And could you imagine if I just came walking around the corner with a spear? Hmm. Like would that not get your attention? Yeah, but if they... Okay. You, but you'd be like, that guy is serious. That, that guy is a spear. He's not messing around. Oh, I don't... I, I kind of disagree. I feel like a spear, there are just too many variables. Like you have to be... Right on with your aim, and if no, no, you're thinking if you throw a spear, but you can right. also attack with a spear. Like you can poke with a spear. Like there, are... yeah. But if they have a gun, they are shooting you down dead. Okay, but you there's, there's not. We're not using guns in this scenario. <laughs> okay. Yeah, of course you have a gun, but yeah, uh, I imagine generally imagine... if I walk into a store and I, if I even thought that I would see someone in the store wielding a spear, you you wouldn't right. You'd behave. You'd be your best I, behavior. <laughs> I would be on my best right? behavior. Right. We're in Walmart. Leaving the store. We're in Walmart, and you cut in line in front of me, and I, I just reach into my coat, and I have like a portable spear that that like extends, mm-hmm. or that I can piece together like a pull cue or something, uh-huh. right? Like you'd be like, oh, excuse me, I didn't mean to cut in line, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. I think if any store that I entered, if the people working at the store had weapons. I, I would. Well, you I'd wouldn't go in any out. store where people had like weapons. Like that's not a somewhere you shop. It's a weapon. It's a weapon, not mm-hmm. weapons, right? You wouldn't go into a store unless it was a weapons store. You wouldn't go into a store that had a bunch of people with weapons. That'd be crazy. But if you go in a store and you're being irate, and the manager just comes around the corner and he's holding a spear, he's not being, <laughs> he's not pointing the spear at you. He's not being aggressive. And he's or not violent. being aggressive, but he mm-hmm. just walks up to the counter and kind of says, "Hey." Can I help you? Or how how can I help resolve this situation? And he's holding a spear. Like, I, I think things will get resolved much faster. I think this entire conversation shows that you have too much time on your hands at your job. Because I, I think this entire conversation shows that maybe we just don't appreciate spears enough. 
Maybe we don't appreciate Spears enough. Right. The underrated weapon of retail managers everywhere. So you may have noticed, Mm -hmm. not you, Annalisa, but the listeners, because Mm -hmm. we're recording this live. (laughs) um, The uh, beginning of the podcast now has intro music. music. Finally, that's Finally. So exciting. Yeah, which was my goal after the last podcast. Your dream has come true. Yes, it has. Where did the music come from, Jared? So what I've decided I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to go to freemusicarchive.org mm-hmm. for every episode, and I'm going to find a, a, a particular track that I just like, that, that, that sounds really cool. Or that I just like. Or that you just like, <laughs> but probably that I like. <laughs> <laughs> since you're more of the producer, I suppose that... Well, since I do all the work true. for the podcast, yeah. Uh, you know, um, I'll probably pick the music too. You know, maybe I'll take your input from time to time. Maybe. <laughs> Scathing look number two. Right, right. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to go to freemusicarchive.org. I'm going to find a song that I, I really dig, and that's going to be our, our song for the episode. I'll do a quick snippet for the intro music, and then at the end of the episode, I'll play the whole song for people to listen nice. to. So, um, what did we hear today? So today is Kevin McLeod, and the song is As I Figure. I liked it a lot because it's got this cool, like, jazzy Latino vibe going on, mm-hmm. uh, and it reminded me so much of uh, George Benson uh, on the album. I believe it's White Rabbit. It's, it's been a while since I listened to the whole album, but it's George Benson and uh, Herbie Hancock is part of his band at that point, too, mm-hmm. and they do a cover of uh, California Dreamin', and it's got, it's got, A, it's got one of the best guitar intros of any song ever and it's just got this really cool well i listened to it on repeat as i figure the other day when i was doing dishes and i was dancing and moving along to the beat as i was doing the dishes and it made dishes very enjoyable so i recommend have i ever played that california dreaming song for you (laughs) i'd put on the podcast but you have to pay the rights for it because it's george benson and not a free music so but if you're listening california dreaming uh george benson on white rabbit check it out so anyway annalisa what have you been up to so today was gymnastics. I took the kids to gymnastics. We go on Wednesday evenings. Um, and in the winter, it's, uh, you know, at first I was like, oh, I don't want to drag them to gymnastics in the middle of winter. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing ever because we don't get out of the house as right, much. Right, we're not, we're not getting to, you know, run around outside. We, we used to go for walks basically every day. And so all this energy that the kids have, they now get to release it all at gymnastics and somebody else is, you know, corralling them. And I feel like it looks like she's hurting cats, but their teacher is amazing. She has, I would say it's like seven or eight little kids all under the age of five, five and under. She has them somersaulting and jumping on the trampoline and jumping into a pit of... Vipers? No, a pit of vipers? It's, it's essentially, it's not balls, but it's... it's, um, it's it's a pit of foam that they jump into. I guess they learn how to flip into it, but Emmett gets scared sometimes to jump in it, but then he then he does. He's a little silly there sometimes. But it's really fun, and I'm glad that we're doing what's, Wednesday what's, afternoon gymnastics. What's the name of the place they go? Uzlax. Uzlax. Uzlax Gymnastics. Johnstown, It's in Richland. Yeah, in, in Richland, Richland, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But Uzlax, there's, there's other Uzlax locations, I think in Altoona and around the area but it's fantastic they really enjoy it and their teacher phenomenal um and they just have so much fun and then they come home and they go to sleep for several hours yeah they do that too so i think that's enough from um from you and from me i think we should hear more about mike bradley and his submarine career yeah so this is part two of the interview with uh, mike and sarah bradley 
This one's going to focus a bit more on Mike since we focused on Sarah a lot for the first interview. This turned out to be a three-part series. I was only planning on doing two, but we had so much good stuff that we're going to have part three coming out in, in two weeks. All right. Okay, let's go on. On on where? <laughs> what, what? Where, what, what are we doing? <laughs> Take it away, Mike. <laughs> How about you, Mike? When, when you were younger, what did you want to be? Uh, I mean, to, not to pile on Sarah's quarterback for the Chicago Bears, <laughs> but my dad always said I, I, I said I wanted to be a, a black Pittsburgh Steeler. Not just a Pittsburgh Steeler, <laughs> but a black Pittsburgh Steeler, because I guess Franco Harris or somebody that was with the Steeler was in, obviously I'm very white, so uh, right. uh, so that was kind of funny, but uh, um, I, I never really knew, uh, once I become cognizant of careers, I just knew I was, I was good at math. I didn't realize my other talents until I was older. I didn't realize that, I mean, we had a strong English program at our grade schools and at Bishop Carroll. Our parents made us read. It sounds like your family was pretty involved with your education and maybe establishing a background that led to what eventually became your career path. Is that correct? I came from a family of of entrepreneurs. Right. Uh, So that was always in in the background. Uh, I was named after my grandfather, who was the last of his brothers to own the family business that's now my Uncle Ken's family business that my dad is now working at, and I help out at. It's uh, plumbing and heating, but it started after World War II. This, you know, The five brothers came back from World War II, started the business together. It morphed a couple times. First, they were building houses, then they were... Uh, well, first there was a sawmill, and then they were building houses, and uh, built 35 houses in Crescent. So, uh, oh, wow. um, and uh, slowly became just my grandfather doing plumbing and heating. Uh, the other brothers went off, became postmans and teachers and stuff like that. So, so I came. I don't say it from a family of entrepreneurs because my my mom's family is not entrepreneur at all. It's like all coal miners and. But, yeah, uh, but your grandfather started a coal mine. Well, he had a coal I mine. Mean, him and his him and his brothers. That's uh, crazy. Who starts a coal? How do you start a coal mine? Everybody, everybody started coal mines. Yeah, right. But like that's entrepreneurial. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, but I guess I didn't know that grandfather as well because he. Died very young of diabetes, you know. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, I was the grades, SATs, you know, the, the the things that I knew that I had to do to get to the next step, and and you know, college was going to help me get figure out what I wanted to do for a career. Did you? So, did you go? You went into college kind of without a real plan, so to speak. You were you were kind of the gen ed guy for your freshman year sort of thing? Well, kind of. Uh, so at the Naval Academy, you have okay. to be and a gen ed. Like, did you go, you went right into the Naval Academy? Right well, I, I did go to an extra year of, of high school, which is not your normal path. Yeah, my, my career's progression is kind of random. But uh, so I, I went to Bishop Carroll and I had applied to the Naval Academy and I got turned down. and But I got accepted into Penn State, Maine, Bucknell. I think those are the only other two. And I was on my way to Bucknell. I was gonna. I, I loved that campus, uh, strong math and science. So I was gonna do some type of engineering. And I was on my way. They still have two hundred dollars of my money at Bucknell. So uh, <laughs> with interest, probably a little more. But um, but then there, I was offered this opportunity to do a program where I went to a year of preparatory school with the promise, as long as I got good grades, I would get into the Naval Academy the following year. Right. So that was the decision. Do I take a year? to get into the Naval Academy by going to this prep school or do I just go right in the buck now? And um, I don't know if my dad pushed me to, to do the Naval Academy thing or not. No, he didn't. 
but we did go visit the, the one closest school, which which is about an hour west of here. Uh, all boys prep school, like the Depot Society type. Just right. if, if you vision that in your mind, that's it's a hundred percent accurate. And walked around the campus, and it was like this beautiful day. I saw people that looked like me there, you know. And actually, Sarah was relatively close. She was like twenty minutes away. Mm-hmm. Her her college, oh, yeah. and um, and it was an, I mean, an extra year of not high school. When you think of high school, you're thinking you know. Friends. I mean, there was friends, but it was pretty stringent. Well, it was, like, it was literally preparing you for exactly where something. Yeah, yeah, I mean, something so like, if you've never experienced a, a boarding school, it's it's serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the class day, and then you have mandatory sport, and then you would have meals with your faculty. You sit around. You mean suits, and you know you take turns being a waiter, and then you would go to mandatory study hall. Seniors, which I counted as a senior at that point, you get to study in your room, but the underclassmen, you're in a classroom or a uh, cafeteria or whatever, you know, doing your homework, and there'll be a faculty member there, you have a question, you raise your hand, but uh, the faculty were all available in the evening at their houses on campus, so that was a kind of a cool thing that I did. Yeah, like, cool. uh, you know, so not, if I had a chem- normal not chem- chemistry yeah. question, I would walk up to my chemistry instructor's house, and on his kitchen table, we'd go over the homework, and... Uh, it does prepare you for college because sure, sure. it really, you have a lot of homework and it's hard and you have to study. So essentially you were doing what most college kids are Correct. doing, you know, freshman year. But you had but... faculty teaching you how to approach college right. Uh, right. before right. you went there. So then I got good grades there and it was real kind of coming, uh, coming of age for me because like I thought our little small town, I, I, you know, okay, I did well here, but uh, I went there with some pretty bright kids and I did well academically and then uh, I played sports there and... and uh, I played football and I, I did well there too. So were you, actually, were you a quarterback? Uh, <laughs> no, I was not the quarterback to, for the Chicago Bears. No, uh, uh, I, I was a tight end. Uh, I was a blocker, tackler. I was good right. at blocking and tackling. Uh, tight end. Uh, well, at, at, at Kiski, I was a uh, like a fullback. We played the wing T, a real kind of smart guy's offense, and I was a, more of a blocking back. And uh, I actually got all league there. I didn't get all league at Bishkarel, but I got all league at Kiski. So. Uh, and and these guys are all like college recruits, mm-hmm. and they uh, like five of my classmates want to play D one. So I, I was I was pretty proud of that. And I actually got a letter there, and I lettered all my four years at Bishop Carroll. So I'm a five year football letter winner, and I think I don't think <laughs> wow. you can top that. You that's, know, like that's pretty you, impressive. You, you, not, not without failing. <laughs> <laughs> only, only like a black dealer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I haven't even got to my career. But it, so then I went to Naval Chem, I majored in uh, electrical engineering. Well, and that's that's what I want to get to. I don't want to gloss over all the stuff in between. Yeah, no, no, no. But you've had some real, real gnarly jobs, from what I understand, and that, that's what I want to talk about. Yeah, no. So uh, some really cool stuff. So the Naval Academy is an actual college, but you uh, you wear a uniform uh, for those that went to uh, state schools that had ROTC. You probably saw a version of me there, but we're all in one campus, and you're trained to be a naval officer. You take tons of leadership courses it's a leadership laboratory the seniors are the bosses there and um the freshmen are the peons and and and, uh there's a whole leadership structure within the class and it prepares you to go out into the fleet where you will be an officer like it's not obvious to everyone but um there's two flavors of military people there's officers in the list and the list is when you sign up out of high school uh, and you just get a job within the military officers. You have to go to college and get a commission. Um, and so I, I got my commission as, as an officer. And uh, at the Naval Academy, you have uh, sponsored families. And I had one that, that was really influential to me. And he was a submarine officer. 
I think even without him, the right call would have been for me to be a submarine officer, but he helped me find that pretty, pretty quickly. Engineer, uh, submarines are very technical and you have to be technical to be on a submarine. And then uh, just the, the community and just a, a neat group. So then I went to the submarines, the submarines for for five years. Right. We you cannot were, you, gloss over the submarines. Right, right. right. We got, let's, yeah. not, let's talk about it. You were in submarines. Correct. I feel like yes. this is every kid's dream. My like, gosh, I mean, no, and nobody knows yeah. about submarines. Right. And it's so They're fascinating. Mysterious. Right. John yeah. was so fascinating. Yeah, you so, ask questions, Jerry, please. <laughs> no, no, because I, I don't know where you want to go with this. So right. I got... I need a new answer, so. <laughs> <laughs> No, well, my thing is, is I don't want to get too caught up in talking about submarines because I could go like, oh, tell me all about it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so, like, you would be under more water than I could possibly imagine for long stretches of, of time, or how long? Um, so, my type of submarine, there's two flavors of submarines that, in the United States. They're fast attack submarines. Fast attack, if you watch uh, Hunt for Red October, um, they have torpedoes, horizontal, you know, killers of submarines and ships. Um, you can have SEALs on board, you can have... All kinds of interesting, you know, you sit off the coast, you observe other countries, quiet. And then the other type of submarine that we have in the United States is the ballistic missile submarines, which everyone just calls the boomer. Right. Because, and those are the Crimson Tide submarines. And they have more than two intercontinental ballistic missiles, each to have multiple warheads. And uh, if, uh, if you watch Chris... Crimson Tide, it says like one ballistic missile submarine has more nuclear power than every other country other than like Russia and the United States. Like there, we have yeah. a ridiculous amount of nuclear weapons on a boomer. And, they're, and, and each missile, 44 feet tall, uh, four feet uh, radio, uh, you know what, diameter. Um, they're three stage intercontinental. Inter, inter, it goes into the stratosphere. I mean, it's they're they're ridiculous. So because of that, these submarines are huge. That's what say. How many? Right. How many yeah, people is, be on board? This is this the cruise ship of like? It's um, yeah. we have a crew of about two hundred, five hundred fifty four feet long. So a football field and a half long. Man. Um, I mean, it's so when Mike was um with the submarine, am I allowed to say yes, this? Yes, for the USS West Virginia. Um, they had to dry dock it, and they were doing this major overhaul to it. They brought it into a shed. Like this is my civilian definition. They right. pulled it into a shed and then got rid of all the water, so you could see this thing on blocks. Essentially, right. <laughs> it was. I mean, it was, yeah. it, was it, it, it was exactly it was in somebody's driveway. <laughs> Only it was a football field and a half wow. long. It was just un- eighteen thousand tons. Believable, wow. and, but that's I mean, isn't that wouldn't that be like a like a cruise ship? Yeah. But just something that instead of is you know being above, above water, water is below, below the water, yeah. the water. And the powered by nuclear has... reactor. So wow. Yeah. So, but could you just talk quickly about like a a patrol? Like yes. what? Yeah, Jared what was asked your about that. So. Like? so because of the nature of my submarine, we were the the nuclear strategic deterrence triad. There are the the um, army B two bombers that carry nuclear weapons. Right. There's the air force that have the the silos that um, have nuclear weapons, and then the navy has the submarines, so the boomers. Since silos like never, you know, have to pull in a port or whatever, they're always available. The B two bombers are always available, so we needed to do our part to keep them available as much as possible. So our type of submarine had two full crews, like two mm-hmm. captains, 
down to the most junior enlisted sailor. So we would take one crew, the blue col- blue crew. I was the West Virginia blue. We'd take the, the summary out for, to sea for approximately 90 days. And we would never pull in anywhere. We would remain undetected, quiet, ready to launch. That's our mission. Then we bring it back in. And then the two, two crews together would get the submarine ready to go back to sea. Any maintenance, any personnel stuff, food, like all, all that stuff. And then the other sub, the other crew would take the submarine out to sea for 90 days. And, and it would keep that submarine at sea a lot. Because um, that's the mission, strategic deterrent. Because back in the Cold War, right. we knew where their silos were. They knew where our silos were. So that was the first thing to go, you know? Right. So... We all, they always said we were the most survivable of the of the, of the nuclear assets, and um, so it's compared to what my buddies that did the other flavor of submarines did. Mine was very boring, but it was regular. And um, well, back when I thought I was going to be a career naval officer, I wanted to do this later in my career. You know, when there were kids involved. I was just going to say, like, if you're in a submarine, like. Boring would be good. Like, no, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, especially with, with nuclear yeah. weapons, you know. Right, so, right. I would hope no, my job would be boring. No. But what, so what specifically did you did you do? I mean, I know you can't say everything, of course, but... Well, but no, 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 but there I can... So the, the officers of the United States Submarine Service have two functions. We have a, a nuclear reactor that, that is our propulsion. So we, mm-hmm. you know, use uranium to, to make power and propulsion via steam to, to make the submarine go for us to run that reactor requires lots of schooling and we all are engineers for the most part undergrad but we go to additional schooling to learn how to run the reactor which for some countries that would have been fine you know the british royal navy they have engineering officers and they just run the reactor and cool well the founder of our uh, navy submarine community said I want my officers to be engineers and tacticians. So we actually, after we spent about a year back in the engineering room, you know, running the engineering plant, we come forward um, to become tactical officers. And, um, and and to be honest, it's the most fun. You know, you are driving the submarine. You're looking at the, tr- you're, mar- you're become a mariner then. Right. You know, which at the Naval Academy, I was trained to be a mariner. Like I would go out and cruises and learn how to shoot bearings and how to drive and look at charts and fathoms and I mean, everything like that. And, um, but with the submarine, it's more involved because you get sonar. You, I mean, because you're underwater. Right. I mean, you can't, you can't see, see you know, right. um, so you're, you, you know, you don't want to drive into a merchant ship's or, or a, a, a trawler's net. You don't want to, I mean, there's so many things <laughs> that you can't, you, you have to worry about. Um, it's it, it, for three. So my tour was only three years there. So the first year I'm, I'm doing now, I, I was doing stuff up forward, but like kind of junior stuff. I was looking at the periscope, um, yeah. a lot, uh, when we we're on the surface, but, but then, you know, the, the last year and a half, two years, driving the ship you know when you're when you're surfaced and driving to port you know you're up there on the bridge which is like the coolest thing ever bet, yeah. you know with dolphins jumping over the you know the sail or the the the, the ship and and the, the wake no it's 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 awesome and so i was really only 
attached to Summary for three years, but I got a lifetime of stories oh, from it. Sure. You know, like uh, sure. and uh, and my friends have made a career of it, and they're about to become captains. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so. really one of the um, I'm, most and, and, unsungish hero of the military. Oh, yeah. These guys now women they sacrifice a lot. You know, there's no communication with families. Right. Um, you know, they miss huge chunks of time. Well, I guess you're not talking to anybody. Yeah, yeah. You, there's no FaceTime. No. There's no phone calling. There's no emailing. There's, you know, there's, there's we can a lot receive, of, but we can't transmit yeah, most times. So I get emails from her. Sacrifice with what they do, and um, I think it's just yeah. to recognize on this podcast. Thanks. Submariners Thanks, really do an amazing job. Yeah, they no, really it's, do. It's, They're it's, smart as heck. See, it's great. And well, I mean, this is a good segue because. I, I felt so connected to this community and and we as a couple like really, really enjoyed the time that I was in the submarine community. But then when kids came, like I felt like I, I, I couldn't do the military anymore. Well, like, sure. like, I mean, I mean, because like the way that I, I think, I don't know, but your youth, Jared, but the way Annalisa and Sarah and I were raised, like dad going away for three or six months and you know and not being able to parent that just wasn't how we were raised you know? and uh i mean looking back i totally think we could have done it you know i could have stayed in and uh um and would our family be better or worse now our, our nuclear family they might have been just fine or even better our extended family i think I, I'm glad our extended family got to see, think, yeah. you know, I like got, got to grow up with mm-hmm. your children in a yeah. way that oh, they yeah. never would have. Oh yeah. Had yeah. I mean, and we were very still. close to our grandparents and I mean, that, mm-hmm. that was more than anything. I mean, like my parents would be there for me and they would have been coming to see the kids and whatever, but the grandparents mm-hmm. like that, that yeah. was nice that we got to see them. So, so then summary tour ended. I went to DC. I mentioned before I worked because of my top secret clearance. Um, I got picked up to work on the Guantanamo war crimes trial, which was fascinating uh, it was only a six months job, but uh, I built the case files for the detainees down at Guantanamo Bay. Right. So you briefly worked building those case files, and then you went to work on a, a spy satellite. Is that right? Actually, Sarah picked out the job. So I was at the sea. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and the, it, Did you see it on Monster? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the paper came in. It's called the slate. Yeah. You play the slate. So there's the, the you, you know when you're going to rotate from, from a command. And it comes, the slate comes open, and uh, and there's like let's say forty lieutenants in that time frame. We're gonna rotate in March of two thousand six or whatever it was, and you just put in your choices. And there's a guy in Memphis, Tennessee, that that looks and kind of coordinates and does his best. And mm. uh, and Sarah, I was at the sea, so Sarah and was the one. Ta- I couldn't talk to him. I right. couldn't. He had no idea. So I was like, Italy, Italy. San Diego, San Diego, San Diego, Hawaii, Hawaii. It's like, oh, those are all the cool jobs. I don't even know what these things cool are. Places. They're cool places. I don't care what he's doing. Yeah. It'll be amazing. Um, and then I was like, oh, DC would kind of be nice. That would get us close to home. And it, all it said was space. So I talked to the detailer. I called him. I said, does he have to be an astronaut to be in this? What is space? He's like, don't worry about it. Just put it on your list. And of course, that was the one we got. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's, it's a legacy. Actually, the, it was a Navy program uh, initially, but then it was, uh, uh, at that point when I joined, it was a joint um, Navy, Air Force, civilian contractor, and uh, 
another another just tremendous job because I, I got in in on, on a lot of these programs it has to be a government person that makes the yes no's so i was i was the government guy and if you want to hear the rest of our interview with mike and sarah bradley and see what mike did as that government guy you can download our next episode which will release on january 25th all right everybody that does it for another episode we appreciate you listening we hope you enjoyed it if you'd like to hear more episodes of When I Grow Up, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else that hosts great podcasts. We release new episodes the second and fourth Thursday of every month. If you want to know more about me, you can head on over to my website. That's truejared.com, T-R-U-J-A-R-E-D.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at truejared. Again, that's uh, T-R-U-J-A-R-E-D. How about you, Annalisa? You can find me at Snareberry on Twitter. Um, that's S-N-A-I-R-B-E-A-R-Y. Or if you want to see some of the cakes that I made, you can find me on Facebook slash Annalisa.McCann. That's A-N-N-A-L-I-S-A dot M-C-C-A-N-N. All right. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Don't say peace. Joy. <laughs> Very festive. Love. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.